Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, our final week of the Ninth State Sports Show, Lacrosse Edition. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Alongside me, as always, uh, Chris Hetler, head coach of the Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse team. Uh, coach, as always, thanks for joining. Joe, good to be here. I think it's only fitting that it's cloudy and, and been drizzling out all day. Can, you know, with the with the spring we've had, well, you know, uh, I think it's a fitting end to the to the season. Just getting us ready for the uh, the nineties over the weekend that's coming up here. Uh, we are once again recording this show at uh, Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashville. Uh, no need to send us any questions for next week because, like I said, this is the last one. But if you got any feedback for us. Uh, you feel free to send it to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at nhhsports. Uh, the show is available at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. And uh, before we get started this week, want to just remind everyone uh, that you're interested in getting the 2018 Boys and Girls Lacrosse Yearbook. You've got until June 29th to pre-order that. Uh, the yearbook consists of all of the lacrosse coverage that's been on the site this year. Uh, along with photos, all state teams, standings, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. To order, go to nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, click on the tab at the top of the page that says lacrosse yearbook. Fill out all the info, uh, and you'll be getting that hopefully uh, sometime in early July. All things going going well. <laughs> uh, well, so we've got, what, three, three boys championship games to talk about. Um, you know, I think going into the day, we kind of figured that... Um, they don't be pretty entertaining games, and I, you know, for the most part, I don't think we were, uh, you know, we were too disappointed. No, I think, uh, you know, you, you started in the in the D three game. I mean, I think each game had its own storyline to it, and you know, in the D three game, uh, we kind of saw, you know, Laconia did. They came out and played well. Jacob Steele came out, scored the first goal of the game, uh, gave Laconia some momentum, and it really wasn't until late. We we showed up uh, after halftime. And at that point, Hoppington was starting to pull away. But, um, you know, that was a competitive game throughout the first half of that game. Um, you know, congratulations to Hoppington again. Uh, Coach Deacon Blue, I believe they're on a 34-game winning 34 streak. 34-game right winning streak, 17-0 and the last two years. Uh, undefeated championships both both years. With and a lot of kids returning. I'll yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, I know at the beginning of the season we were looking at their roster thinking – man what you know they're going to contend but how good are they really going to be obviously you know they got a good uh defenseman back in and jerry donahue uh who was again this year the division player of the year or defensive player of the year um you know colby quiet was a starter for them as a freshman what's he going to be like but they turned out Falls there was um, a, yeah. phenomenal i mean it seemed like every time i was turning around it colby quiet scores another goal for hopkinson yeah. it was uh it was the colby quiet show there in the second half for for hopkinson he uh you know in the final and in the final maybe not as much the semifinal. he really got things going for them in that second quarter um you know one thing though that that really impressed me with him i didn't realize this going into the final four in the in the championship game was that he he pl really plays the up and down the field yeah, field for them you know he's a midfielder doesn't come off the field and not only that he takes face-offs for them and he looks like he's a pretty good face-off guy uh, for someone who just stepped into that role this year and that'll be key for them next year you know with Alex Russo graduating as their starter in net and Donahue Donahue graduating as well they're going to need a lot of possessions to uh, to give time for for that defense to, to break for the new goalie and defense to break in there um, so they, they look like they're in great shape for next season you know some uh, they played all year they played fantastic defense. I think the most goals they gave up all year was seven or eight, and I think that was the first game of the year. The six given up to Laconia uh, on Saturday was so what tied for their second few or second most allowed um, average of I think three point eight 
through the 17 games, which is... You know, and I think that can be a combination of things. When you have when you have a team, when you have a player in Colby Quiet who's capable of winning draw after draw after draw, you know, it really limits what the other team can do, especially if they don't get the ball on their stick. And then you have an experienced defense with, with Russo and Donahue. Um, you're you're going to give up, you know, single-digit goals throughout the season. Um, you know, I've been in that position before. When you can win faceoffs and your offense is as potent as it is, um, you're, you're not going to give up. That can that can really help. It can mask some things too. But not saying they didn't have a great defense they, this year. Um, well, the thing that that struck me, you know, going especially going over their roster the last couple of days, um, you know, trying to think of next year uh, a little bit. Um, Donahue and and Rousseau are the only seniors on that defense. So they're, I mean, most of the kids coming back were juniors who were in the rotation this year. Um, so you know that's uh, whether they obviously having you know Colby Quiet back is going to be key. You know they lose more on I think the attack than they do the other spots on the field. I mean if you're you need to take some time at the beginning of the year and let kids kind of catch up. You want to have good a strong, defense back. Having yeah. a good defense there is is key. So I think uh, you know even if even if the the goaltending position takes a little bit of time to figure out, um, you know if they're winning faceoffs they'll be they'll be in good shape. Um, the the other thing I, I want to mention too is, um, you know, not only seeing Hopkinton a couple times over the last two years, um, you know, really wanted to keep an eye on on Donahue just to see, you know, how you know how, how good he was, and I'll tell you, I, I was not disappointed. He was he is as advertised. I thought he was, um, you know, at times the best player on the field. Um, and what struck me most was his his passing ability. Uh, you know, a number of times he changed, you know, kind of field position with just some absolute strikes from, you know, maybe 20, 30 yards downfield. I, I, I don't know if I've seen another kid, you know, making passes like that. Uh, not that, you know, my, my history with the game goes back years and years <laughs> like yours does. But, you know, I was very impressed with, it, with that um, part of his game and, and his game overall. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think in that game, when you have a lockdown defenseman like that, when you're able to take away Jacob Steele and maybe, um, you know, Riley Roy and some of those guys, you know, it, it, it's, it's a huge asset to have. And then, and then on top of that, to be able to change field position and push transition like that, you know, it made Hopkinton a, a really tough team to beat all season long. And, you know, even though he's graduating, we'll probably we'll probably let him, we'll probably yeah, have him as we'll, one of the, yeah. we'll probably have Hopkinton as we're, one of the favorites again next we're, year. We're all back in the same spot in uh, what nine months or so. I think we'll be talking about uh, Hopkinton uh, looking for a three peat, possibly maybe well, I don't know what I can't starts, do that. Starts at the starts at the youth level though. I mean, they've done they've just done a great job of of having their um, feeder program up and ready to go and and getting kids in there. I was going to say, system. I was going to say, try to do some quick math in my head. Where would, where would three straight seasons of seventeen and zero put them in terms of uh, win streaks? But not, not F quite at 51, the uh, fifty-one. Well, yeah, I think so. I think there's someone else that's nearby 61. that that number right now too. Uh, well, we might, we might be, we might be sitting up there. So, um, yeah. So that that streak actually, you know, looking at it real quick. Of course, halfway to to Bedford's record streak there of, of, of seventy-two, but. Um, overall, um, it, it's a top, uh, believe a top 50 streak all time, you know, in terms of, of high school across in the country. Uh, anytime, anytime you go through an entire season, you play in the league and you get a target on your back like Hopkinson had, it's, it's impressive to be able to go undefeated and, and do it in the way that they did it. You know, um, I always tell, I always tell people that, 
you know, you're dealing with high school kids and to ask them to get up for every single game knowing that you're going to get the other team's best effort. For a lot of these teams, this is that was their state championship when they played Hopkinton this year in Division III. Um, you know, if they could knock off Hopkinton, then that, that made their entire year, and no one was able to do it. So, In most um, cases, no one even really came close. I, I don't think that they had many games that were, you know, in doubt towards the end. I think that first game against Laconia was a six-goal game, a uh, 10-4 win. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it, you know, there weren't too many teams. I think Conville played them pretty tough early in the season. Um, you know, but outside of that, I think Hopkinton was, was – when Trinity gave them, excuse me, Trinity gave them a pretty good game, uh, five goals late in the year. Uh, you know, hats off to uh, to Deacon Blue, the Hawks. Uh, congratulations on a, uh, a a great season, and and like we said, I think we'll be we'll really be talking cool. about them next uh, next March. Yeah, really really cool to see a young coach in, in Deacon Blue uh, able to guide guide his team like that and continue on and build build success. So. Yeah, like you said, hats off, hats off to Coach Blue, and um, yeah, I think that, I think the, the road, uh, the road, all all roads lead through Hopkinton again next year. Uh, speaking of uh, winning streaks, uh, you guys have one of your own uh, on the line now too. What's up to uh, fifty three games? I, I we we gave you an extra game on Saturday. I think we, we oh, said fifty four okay. to you. <laughs> I went back and looked, uh, and you guys played one less game. I think, or there was one less game towards the end of the year. In, in 2016 that I think we added in there. So 50, um, what did I just say, 53 games, which, by the way, is the 10th best uh, nationally all-time winning streak. And since we're since and the we're only and, and the only current one, I was gonna say. And since we're talking about it, and it's one. out there. Yes, Darien lost the other day. So yes, New Hampshire is home to the the current longest winning streak in in the uh, in the nation. So yeah, pretty pretty neat stuff to have two teams in Division Two and Division Three uh, with long winning streaks like that. Um, so, yeah, something that we, uh, we we do take a lot of pride in, but at the same time, we're um, we're looking to maybe uh, you know really test that that streak next year and, and possibly uh, schedule some schedule some teams from outside our B- division. BG, and maybe Pinkerton, Exeter, maybe maybe look down into Massachusetts and, yeah. and see some teams down there uh, that that might be fun to play um, because. You know, at the end of the day, it's been a great streak, and we've done a, we've done a lot of great things, winning some titles. Um, but you know, this junior class that I've had, that will be seniors next year, um, I think deserves to play against uh, some of the some of the really good teams in the uh, higher divisions and uh, and test and see what they can do. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a great run with these guys. I'm going to miss them after they graduate. You, you, some of your guys, you know, you mentioned the junior class, and I think them of them specifically. Um, you know, I was thinking about that after that game because I think you said, you know, oh, this year's seniors set this record. Next year's are going to, you know, maybe even so this year's be able seen, to yeah, surpass this year's that. Seniors went out seventy-seven and three. Yeah. Uh, anytime you can count the number of losses you have on one hand, that's that's yeah. pretty good. Um, and I, I was remember thinking, I was like, so who are the kids that are back next year? Because some of your your juniors that are going to be seniors next year have been playing since they were they were starting since they were freshmen. Most of them. And it feels them have, yeah. It feels like how are these kids still? year like yeah. they should have graduated like two years ago yeah, it feels they like just, i mean they didn't play they didn't play like freshmen they were they no. were able to come in i mean that group uh you know two defensemen alex neville and max horton playing at a high level right now avery truex has been our starter in net for three years uh john anderson john mclean um you know we're just we're, we were blessed with with a great junior class that'll be seniors and um you know, really looking forward to seeing what these guys can do next year. I think maybe what could be a, a, a key thing for them, too, is that this year they were able to 
get into those roles that you're going to want them in next year while also not having to be the guy next year. I mean, a lot of them had very good seasons and, and uh, you know, all got all state and, you know, yep. whatever. Um, but there were still seniors in front of them that, that you guys could look to for, you know, whatever support you needed in other, you other know, areas. I, I think in the championship game you saw previews of it. Um, you know, John McLean's been – or um, uh, well, we'll start with John McLean. He, he's always been a great uh, crease guy for us. He played attack for a long time. And in this game, he was up and down the field. He played defense for us at midfield. Um, and then really found really found the, the the seams that we needed in the second half and, and put home three straight goals and took over the game at one point. Um, and then John Anderson, who had been taking faceoffs for us all season long, really found the confidence in that in that uh, in the championship game. Stepped in and just ripped absolutely ripped two corners. And um, so you know if those guys can carry that momentum into into the into the uh, spring next year. We're going to be in good shape. We've got some. We've got some good players underneath that can that can be role players for them and build around. And so, um, you know, there's definitely going to be challenges. I'm looking at teams. You know, Portsmouth returns a lot. Winnicunit has had a younger team this year. Goffstown was a fairly young team this year. There's going to be a lot of a lot of teams that will test them within our own division. And then outside of that, you know, if we add some, some add some teams in there, they're going to earn it. If they continue, yeah. if they want this winning streak to continue, they're going to have to earn it. Um, you know, you, yeah, you mentioned Portsmouth, and uh, I, you know, f I thought fantastic effort from them on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I I think there were some people, at least in the in the media, that really kind of expected the game that it started out to be. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too sure because I really didn't I didn't see the semifinal games. I didn't get to see your regular season game with them. Um, you know, from reading about stuff, I thought you know it could have gone that way, um, and it kind of, it kind of did early. And I think, you know, you, you, there was a little bit of a difference between must, what must have been going on in the field. And I was up in the, the press box for the first half of that game, and uh, there were some some media members that were nervous for you after you'd gone. What I think. Like a good, everybody made a good everybody. I did see that everybody, made, the, everybody yeah. did make a big deal out of that. But it was kind of like we did what we needed to do to get the win against Wyndham. And no, we didn't score in that final quarter. But a lot of that was, you know, we were trying to be smart with the ball and not give the ball back to Wyndham and, and play that out. And then, you know, when you walk into a game against Portsmouth, um, it's difficult. You know, they they've Cole Cole Brahms is an, is an excellent faceoff guy, so they they had possession a lot. And then when we they they did have it, they they packed it in and played a really good zone. And their goalie was making some terrific saves early in the game. So, yeah, it looked like it looked like we were struggling on offense a little <laughs> bit. Um, but uh, to be honest with you, and I think I said this to you throughout the year, this was a group that just found a way to win, and they didn't let things fluster them, and they went about it in a businesslike manner. And just kind of said, okay, we know that if we don't give up transition and we stay out of the box, we have a really, really, w we're confident that we're going to beat these guys. And they did. You know, it was, a, it was a great game. It was 5 5 late into the third. And then um, we found the turnovers that we were looking for and we were able to push transition and open things up a little bit. Yeah. And it just seemed like at that point that you guys were just playing so well and, and Portsmouth had maybe, you know, f fired all of its, its shots before then. Like that, that just that, that, fourth quarter they just didn't have enough left in the tank um you know whether it's emotionally or physically or what you know any of that um i would agree with you i think yeah. i think our our goaltender avery made some tremendous saves early in that game for some good opportunities that portsmouth had to maybe extend their lead a little bit and 
when Avery was able to stop those, it took a little wind out of their sail, uh, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, and but uh, but no, that's Avery a good way. To, that's a good way to end the year. <laughs> Avery Avery made some tremendous saves that that really helped us to keep the momentum on our side in that game. Uh, you know, you mentioned a couple other teams that um, you know could be uh, amongst the you know contenders in the in the coming year to come Goffstown being one of them of course they gave Portsmouth uh, an overtime challenge in that quarterfinals Wyndham giving you guys um, everybody's uh, got uh, everybody's yeah. got pieces everybody's gonna have pieces that they're gonna have to fill next year I mean uh, you know Goffstown loses the, the the talented defenseman in Chapdelaine and they lose their goaltender they lose a, an attackman but they they did a lot with a really young roster this year and, and I really like their junior class coming up um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of names and stars that you would recognize, but they play so well as a team. And Coach Lewis did a great job of bringing them together. Um, you know, year after year, Winnicott, it always seems like they, they've, they've got the kids that play well in a system. And, um, you know, again, they lose a goaltender. They lose a defenseman. Um, but they bring back a lot of kids on offense. And, um, you know, uh, they're going to have athletes out, so I would expect them to be very good again. Um, you know, Wyndham loses their big names in, in, in uh, Tyler Folsom and uh, Noah Russ, but Jake Russ comes back, and um, they'll have to replace a goaltender as well and their face-off guy. But it just seems like that's another program that every year we say, well, they lost these guys, and then they just reload because they, they've yeah, got athletes yeah. and they've got a great town program. So that's another team. Um, you know, Hollis Brookline, I think, is a team that, you know, People say, oh, what happened to Hollis this year? They didn't. Have, well, you know, they they had the opposite season that they had the year before. Right. All the yep. the one goal games that they won the year they, before, they, they went, lost went the other way. They were a younger team this year. Um, again, lose a goaltender, lose a very talented defenseman, uh, lose a talented attackman. But there, there's a great group underneath uh, for Coach McDonough to work with. That so that's another team that I think will be on the rise again next year. But uh, Portsmouth. They return a lot, so I, I would expect to see Portsmouth as a Final Four team again. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the um, the game that I think maybe most people were talking about um, over the weekend, you know, over the weekend, the last couple of days, for maybe the opposite reasons that maybe they thought it was going to happen, was um, of course Pinkerton coming in and upsetting BG 11-9 uh, in the Division One game, um, a result that. You know, maybe a bit of a surprise, um, but one of those where you sit down beforehand and say, you know, does Pinkerton have a chance in this game? And it's, well, well if we this happens and this yeah. happens, you know, and this happens, things, yeah, and, and, they did, and, and all of those happened. things happened. Yeah. You know, we said that Gianno Mara was going to have to control the faceoff circle, and for most of the game, he did, he did that. Yeah. Uh, you know, ground ball. The ground ball battle was huge. I think you you looked it up. It was twenty nine to 14, 29 14 to fourteen, for and yeah. and that was never more evident than in the first two quarters of the game. Um, you know, I've never seen the Pinkerton midfielders play as well as they did. A very athletic group, and it just seemed like every loose ball, every fifty fifty ball they got. And when you get you know when you give a team that talented that many time that many chances on uh, offense, they're they're going to cash in. Um, you know, I thought I thought a kid that uh, you know was flown under the radar a little bit, Jacob and Adams. I thought he played well in that game. Um, you know, Chad Tereski with some timely timely goals and assists. Um, Chris Valentine Chris with Valentine, two huge ones. You know, in the third quarter, emotional yeah. lift just playing yeah. in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, everything everything seemed to go really really well. Their game plan of um, 
you know, doubling early on Brian and then packing it in and not giving the skip lanes there. It just all seemed to come they, together and they work. They did a nice job, I think, of mixing things up. I've never really showing the same thing, I think, too many times in a row. Yeah. And, and, and you know, not giving him a chance to, you know, be able to, to read it too early. Yeah, uh, I thought Dominic Zern did a great job yeah. covering Brian, but then, then the help defense by Pinkerton was just really impressive. I mean, every time... Brian would get a step and, and get above GLE, there was a guy there ready to double quickly, and all the rest of the guys really bought into that team defense and said, look, if Brian can skip it over three of us, well, then good for them. They're going to get yeah, the goal. Yeah. And they just really made it difficult to find those passing lanes that had been there for most of the season. I mean, this wasn't the first team that did that. I mean, Brian's been routinely drawing doubles and triples all season long, and just his other guys around him have stepped up and um, – you know, Drew Haley and Brendan McGinnis and guys like that in the past have had big games because Brian has drawn those, and it just it seemed like it was a little slow getting that going, and then it just it took too long. And then got to mention Alex Sturgis, you know, for Pinkerton, phenomenal. just, had just probably played game. his best game against Bishop Girton yeah, you know, in that, that final. If that proves, you know, and that there, there's a kid that, you know, may or may not play in college, not because he doesn't have the talent, but just, you know, may not be the thing he wants to do. If that does prove to be his last game, uh, playing in net, uh, what a way to go out. I mean, just so rock solid throughout the game, making some huge saves. Um, there was there was a, a flurry to start the, the second half, where, or second quarter, when they were man up? Um, was second no, half? second half. Started the third quarter. Started the third where was quarter. Where yeah, it was a 6-2 game, which... And, and just made yeah. save after yeah. save and really made it difficult, um, you know, for, for the first half, where BG really just didn't have a whole lot of shots no. on net. Um, they were firing they were firing that ball to come out in the third quarter there. Um you know, and I, I kind of want to get into bigger picture just in terms of, of you know, what, you know, because there were some, some people asking afterwards about the state of lacrosse in, in New Hampshire. Um, and, you know, that of course, that was the sixth year in a row or sixth or seventh year in a row that BG and Pinkerton played in the final. Um, you know, it's, it's BG's 14th straight year in the final. Pinkerton's 11th title out of 25. BG's won nine. I think there's a streak going back to 2000 and 2004, where where one of the one two of them, teams yeah. has played. Well, every and, and year that's in the, the only year that that yeah. one of them hasn't been in the final. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of people, you know, that aren't familiar with the game, look at may look at that and say, uh, you know, is what, that good you know, for the state yeah. of New Hampshire? Wow. And I, I mean, I, we've talked about it. I think you know, off of this a few times, just between the two of us, that it's, you know getting that game in whether it's regular season whether it's the semifinals the final i mean it is two of obviously the two best programs in new hampshire the last couple of years i think it's but difficult now it's it's two of the best programs in new england right now absolutely i mean the, the two teams proved out of state this year that they can run with anybody and you know arguably you could say had bg won that game i think you could easily call them new england regional champions and pinkerton can definitely lay a claim to that now um based on based on their out-of-state play this year um you know i i think it's two teams that an arms race has occurred where every year they're making each other better and in the process causing other programs to be better and because of that I think the state of New Hampshire has become a hotbed for lacrosse. It's a place where college coaches are now coming and looking and scouting our kids and saying, these kids are really good and they can, they can help our program immediately. I mean, 16, 17 years ago when I got here, there, were, there weren't any D1 players coming. You know, Boyle was probably, you know, the, the name that was coming out of New Hampshire that people knew. 
and now we're routinely sending you know half a dozen or more you know kids to D1 every single year and so while yes it's it's difficult the fact that the same two teams are playing in the final every year it's made everyone else around us better and um, you know I, I would say it's it continued it's hard to see sometimes in the because of the results but I, I, I feel like that's a very honest thing to say is that everyone else is be getting better. It's difficult can, when the yeah. ultimate measuring stick is a it's state championship, right? right? right. When, when that's the only thing that you can hang your, you know, it, 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 maybe it speaks more to our culture and society as a whole that that's, that's the ultimate measuring stick. Um, but I, I would say New Hampshire is better because of what Pinkerton and BG has done over, over, the, last, over the last two plus decades. Yeah. Um, we were we were discussing this before we got on here today. I want to read a little bit from um, a uh, article from Hector Longo from the National Telegraph, uh, my my old stomping grounds. Uh, it's like no other sport imaginable. Lacrosse has come to the forefront in New Hampshire. It is now the state's athletic calling card. That field Saturday night was littered with scholarship athletes. Were there fifteen, maybe twenty? When was the last time any collection of athletes from two teams matched that kind of talent in any sport? From North Carolina bound Brian Cameron on down, as much as of a war as it was, it was a celebration of skill and athleticism. I think that's exactly what we're talking about. There probably were 15 to 20 kids on that field, whether they were seniors or just kids that have already committed. There's some really good... Ryan Ozier committed yeah. to Bryant, Sweeney, Valentine, both going to SNHU. I believe Sturgis might be going to S yeah. SNHU as well. According to, according to um, Valentine, he was after the game. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe twisting his yeah, arm to play yeah, again. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean Cameron going to Maryland, uh, Drew Haley and Brennan McGinnis going to the national champion uh, Merrimack College. Um, you know, the, the list goes to Doug Barker, Doug Barker going to UMass Lowell. Yeah. Just a ton of players that are that are going to be playing at a high level in years to come and that's only on Pinkerton and BG I mean you start going down the list of other schools I mean I, I I do agree with his his assessment that you know it has become our state's calling card and that we are we are routinely putting out a, a lot of great college lacrosse players from this and you know I both of those schools play those out-of-state schedules to, to try to get better for you know the the playoffs, the championship game, to challenge themselves. I would argue that this year they were the two best teams they, that each other faced. I mean, yeah, they, they played some tough schedules. Um, you know, and I would I would think that, that in, in BG's case it almost hurt them because of how well they played in some of those games that maybe it gave them a little bit, you know, well, Possibly we, 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 beat, we handled, you know, Duxbury right. and BC High and Reading and Needham right. and, and Zavarian brothers, yeah, we yeah. we should be able to, to it, win this game. You know, and that that may be Joe, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't um I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame it. it's high school kids, you know, and and um it's hard not to it's hard not to let that creep in a little bit to, to feel invincible when you've beaten what everybody considers when Massachusetts has been the bell cow of of uh you know lacrosse forever when you beat Duxbury and and BC High and all these teams and everybody says how great you are it's hard not to let that slip into your subconscious. Yeah even in a rivalry game against Pinkerton. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think any anybody, any of those kids took that game for granted, but it's hard not to feel good about yourself going into that game. Um, you know, of course, after the game, Coach O'Reilly said, you know, next year is not going to be his last year, football or, or lacrosse. So, we, you know, that one big question off the table there. Um, you know, any, uh, the other kind of uh, worst-kept secret, I think, in, the, in Division One this year was uh, – Matt Gerard at Bedford that he announced last night that 
he's going to be stepping down uh, from the Bedford position. The only coach that Bedford's had, you know, since the school opened um, 11 years ago. Did a phenomenal job helping to grow that program and bring them uh, a tremendous amount of success. You know, first at the D2, winning three straight championships, having the nation's longest winning streak at 74 games, and then um, so 72, 72 games. 72, games, 72, games, let's 72 give, games. Let's not, and let's not give them too much credit there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing streak. And then and then to successfully transfer into D Division One and be a perennial Final Four team over his tenure there, just um, – you know, um, glad that Coach Gerard is, is able to uh, take the time to spend with his family, but hope that uh, hope that he'll return to the sidelines soon because he's a, he's a great coach for the state of New Hampshire and someone that we'll really miss. Uh, a couple other numbers for them. Uh, their first varsity season is 2009. Went 4-9 and nine that year. That's the only time they've never made the playoffs. Uh, overall was 147-38 uh, and 38, uh, in, in nine seasons, 14-6 and six in the playoffs. And, and then, as you mentioned, the, the – state record uh winning streak um you know in some of those games you know they I, you know i went back and looked at a little bit of it today um and you know the scores maybe kind of look lopsided on paper but then when you look at the teams that they were against you know there were there were of course some some cupcakes on there but not a whole lot of them they were beating some really good teams in convincing fashion their last year in division two was it was a really impressive year for them where they they tested themselves and really went up against right, the yep. big boys and um that that streaks the real deal. Um, so they they, you know, Coach Gerard should uh, feel feel very proud about his tenure at, at Bedford and uh, sleep easy at night knowing he did a great job there. Any other uh, any other thoughts to send everybody off with for uh, for what hopefully is a nice warm summer? Um, well, I you know I think uh, just like on the D two side, there's going to be. Uh, you know, I think it's it would be hard to say that Pinkerton is not not the favorite going into next season in D1. But I think um, you know you look at what Londonderry returns. They've got they had such a young team this year and had the success that they had. Hard not to consider them a, a favorite for a Final Four return, as well as Exeter. Exeter loses some good players in Penna and Orifici and Infinity, but um, the the youth that they had underneath their freshman class and the freshmen that are coming in and so forth. They're building a, a very good team there that, that are going to compete, um, you know, and, and looking to see how Sauhegan bounces back next year as well. And can Nashua South, can they can they repeat and, uh, and build Continue on the success on that, that success, they, had, yeah. they had this year? Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's looking around the, the division, well, and who knows what new teams, changes new teams there. Move, new teams moving, moving up. Yeah. I believe Dover's coming back up. Uh, Timberlane's coming up. I think Merrimack's going down. Um, so... Yeah, new landscape in division, new landscape in division one, and um, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Should be uh, should make for interesting. Uh, of course, it's always an interesting season. Um, you know, a couple other things that I you know want to just mention some housekeeping things. Like I mentioned at the, the start, uh, you know, you've got until the 29th to order your uh, lacrosse yearbooks. Um, I may be a little biased in this, but I think that's something that you definitely want to get. Uh, you know, a good way to um, kind of get all of this season i know i'll be uh, purchasing again. one i saw i saw your football i saw your football yearbook and it was really impressive uh it was beautiful it was well, uh, thank you. you know well thank you well put together the pictures were fantastic and you know you've seen the stories all year long and um so you know i'm looking forward to my copy so hopefully hopefully the listeners out there hopefully visit the site purchase one it's a great investment and a great keepsake for, a, yeah a great a really great way season. to kind of get everything in in one place he saves you the time of having to scrapbook yourself uh um, a couple other things will be coming up too. I'm gonna gonna kind of do what we just did a little bit of today. Take a look ahead, see who are the teams that you know 
could be good, go out on a limb and make some predictions in terms of who's going to make the playoffs next year. I actually went back today and looked at what I had last year. Pretty much in every division, I was on except for one or two teams for pretty much every division. So that's me patting myself on the back. <laughs> as you should, <laughs> as you should. Um, and again, uh, for the second year, I'll be putting together a, uh, an all-encompassing, all-state team uh, for both boys and girls. Three teams, first team, second team, honorable mention. No, you know, um, separation among divisions. So these are the kids that, you know, from what I saw, from what I heard from coaches, from what I, you know, see on all state teams, from everything. You would love to hear the listeners' opinions too, oh, right? I would. You would love I their feedback. Sure, I sure would. <laughs> uh, and I mean that. I really do mean that because um, feedback is, is a great, great thing. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that in the next week or so. Uh, and, you know, we'll be hopefully be back doing this again next spring. Uh, Coach, thank you for – not only this week, but a, a whole season's worth of, uh, of shows. It uh, seems like we just started here, man. Um, you know, I, on a day like today, I could still be wearing my gray sweatshirt and sweatpants, but um, it's been great. It's been, it flew by and uh, already looking forward to next March. Thank you and, and congratulations on the season. Uh, and thank everyone out there for listening. I hope you uh, join us in what will probably be two months for the first football show, I would, I would think. Uh, but we'll worry about that another day. Uh, for Chris Hetler, I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.